thorn in my side, Sovereign Integral Governments, 2022, October 1st. Tension. The conflict in Ukraine exposes an inherent tension in the United Nations Charter. Russian Federation Foreign Minister Sergei Lavrov highlighted this during a press conference after his recent speech at the United Nations General Assembly. The tension is between the integrity of sovereign national governments and the ability of collections of citizens to declare their own independence and thus create a new government. This potentially carves off territory from a sovereign integral government to then be governed by a new sovereign integral government. Introduction. A recap. The unelected coup derivative government installed in Kiev, Ukraine in 2014 outlawed the teaching of Russian in Ukrainian schools as a component of its nationalist agenda. Ukraine as a state merged a collection of ethnicities with differing cultural histories. The eastern and southern provinces speak Russian and have a Russian cultural background. Western Ukraine has closer ties to Poland, Hungary and other neighbouring territories. Within this Western group exists a small fraction which lionises Stefan Bandera. Bandera collaborated with Nazi occupiers during World War II and assisted in the collective murder of many Ukrainians according to Nazi practice. Homosexuals, the infirm, communists, Jews, etc. The anti-Russian policies of the coup-installed government are a direct result of the influence of these Bandera-worshipping nationalist ideologues. They in turn were supported by both foreign backers, USA-NATO and local oligarchs, Kolomoisky and others. This is a classic colour revolution play. The play relies on inflaming local division and the support of local influences. A sequence of events, including the secession of Crimea and the burning alive of protesters in the Odessa Trades Union building, induced Russian-speaking and ethnic communities in the Donbass, Donetsk and Lugansk oblasts, to resist the new regime in Kiev. Kiev launched a civil war against them. In response, the two oblasts resisted and held referenda. The results allowed them to declare their independence. They implored Russia to incorporate them into the Federation. Russia demurred. She was not ready. The USA was funding a war in Syria, amongst other activities. The process which the Russian Federation pursued eventuated in the Minsk II Accords, universally approved by the United Nations Security Council in 2015. These would have maintained the territorial integrity of Ukraine, excepting Crimea, and provided limited autonomy to the two oblasts if an update to the Ukrainian constitution was made. The newly installed government and those that followed resisted engagement in the Minsk Accords and continued the civil war against the Donbass. By 2022, 
the eight-year-long civil war had killed over 13,000 Ukrainians, mostly those in Donbass. The armed forces of Ukraine had incorporated into its ranks brigades composed of these Bandera-worshipping Nazis, replete with body tattoos of Nazi regalia and flying insignia thereof. The issue of these Nazi battalions was widely reported in Western media during the 2014 to 2016 period. It was not a secret. It is not a secret. To this day, these elements of the Ukrainian armed forces refer to the Russian ethnic peoples of Donbass as orcs. This is the level of revulsion delivered at the peoples of Donbass by their former countrymen. This explains the resistance and desire for independence of the peoples of the Donbass independent republics. Precedents. Three events in recent history serve as a useful background to the current political and geopolitical struggle in eastern and southern Ukraine. The Syrian proxy war, the Catalan independence struggle, and the declaration of the independence of Kosovo. The armed conflict by radical Islamist insurgents against the Syrian government was supported by Western nations and Saudi Arabia. The CIA codename for the funding, arming and training of these insurgent forces was Operation Timber Sycamore. To that point, around 2016, Sycamore was the highest funded CIA operation at around 14 billion US dollars. The Syrian government, with support from Iran, Russia and Hezbollah, resisted this foreign USA, UK, France, Saudi Arabia, Turkey and others supported insurgency. A non-violent insurgency was organised by the Spanish Catalan. Catalonia, the most industrious of the Spanish provinces, became restive due to continued policies of the Spanish government which denied acknowledgement of their contribution to the nation and suppressed their will. Rallies of hundreds of thousands of people were held. A referendum was organised by the local government. The Catalan people's desire to express their will was denied by the European Union. Not only was the referendum's legitimacy denied, but elected officials who had facilitated it were arrested. The 1999 war in Yugoslavia resulted in the country being split into multiple parts. One of those parts was Kosovo, a part of Serbia. Kosovo's creation was not by popular referendum, for none was held. It was by decree from external powers. The USA used its influence to create the government and pressured others to recognise it. Kosovo is, 20 years later, still not a member of the United Nations. These three examples show us a failure of foreign-supported armed struggle to change a government, the failure of a non-violent independence movement denied by regional powers, and the partial success of a new government created by foreign powers without a local mandate. 
They serve as examples of play within the tension contained in the UN Charter. Ukraine Separatist Referenda The article includes a graphic from RT which displays the participation rate in the Luhansk and Donetsk People's Republics. They are 94.1% with 1.6 million voters and 97.5% with 2.1 million voters in these two independent republics, respectively. RT provides the sourcing of their information as the Luhansk Information Centre and the DPR Election Commission. As introduced, the peoples of the Donbass have resisted the imposition of policies and reprisals by a central government which views them as orcs. They and their civilian infrastructure have been attacked for eight long years by the orc-hating Kiev government and its armed forces. It took eight years for Russia to accept their declaration of independence. These two former Ukrainian oblasts have just held a referenda asking their people if they wish to join the Russian Federation. Encroachments on Russia's sphere of influence have been relentless. Since the dissolution of the USSR, NATO has, contrary to promise, expanded not just eastward to Russia's borders, but also northward through the Caucasus. The constant colour revolutions are so common that at the recent Shanghai Cooperation Organisation Heads of Government meeting in Samarkand, Uzbekistan, Chinese President Xi warned other members of the organisation to beware of their continued imminent likelihood. A referendum for sovereignty or independence is the polar opposite of a colour revolution. It is an open invite for people to declare their wishes, rather than a covert mechanism to inspire revolt. That the USA uses the latter rather than supporting the former displays its tactics. The results from the former Ukrainian oblast referenda have been announced. The Donbass republics of Donetsk and Lugansk merely asked their citizens if they wished to join the Russian Federation. In Kherson and Zaporozhye, the question was, are you in favour of the region leaving Ukraine, creating an independent state and joining the Russian Federation? The lowest yes vote total across the four regions was 87%. Just as in Crimea, the results were completely predictable. This explains why the legitimacy of the referenda were immediately called into question by Western media. They are sham referenda, say the West. Hang on. Defenders of democracy declare that holding a plebiscite is a sham. Yes, people, the Golden West declares a voting illegitimate. The problem they have is whether international observers are present and publish their findings on the conduct of the referenda. The sources for this article include five videos 
by Patrick Lancaster and his videographer traveling across the four regions and capturing the nature of the vote, how it was conducted, and the opinions of people in the regions. Accordingly, numerous observers from European countries have been pressured by their governments. A European member of parliament has even called for sanctions against an election observer. Not only is voting illegitimate, but vote observation is a crime. I am not writing a dystopian novel. This is reality. The article's next graphic, again from RT, follows on from the previous showing voter turnout, this time in the Zaporozhye and Kherson regions. Uh, it lists the sources of their information as the local election commissions in the two regions. The numbers are 85.4% and 77% in Zaporozhye and Kherson, and lists the actual numbers as 541,000 and 571,000 voters having participated in each region. Announcing the results. A survey of Western media on the morning of September the 28th, after referenda polls closed, shows ignorance, both literal and figurative. I have not the energy to critique each response or lack thereof by Western media sources. The gathered list of articles or lack thereof are gathered under sources in referenda we shame ourselves. The summary is that some major Western media chose not to report on the referenda results, but rather to sit on their previous laurels of declaring them as a sham. Other outlets did not report the numbers, but repeated previous claims that the referenda were illegitimate, often citing the claim that they were held at gunpoint. This last claim is particularly laughable because it is almost true. The elections were not held at gunpoint, but barrel point. Those barrels being the Ukrainian Armed Forces artillery barrels. The collection of the Kiev legislation against the referenda and their armed forces attacks against the oblast could be summarized as, if you help organize the vote, you go to prison for 10 years. If you actually voted, you go to prison for five years. And if you gather to vote, we're going to kill you with artillery, as we have been doing for eight years. Territory. The question is not whether the peoples of these oblasts wish to be free of the intimidation imposed upon them by the Kiev government, but of the territory which is implied in the referenda. For the Donetsk and Luhansk oblasts, the territories are known. They are the administrative boundaries of the oblast as defined by the Kiev government as of their de declarations of independence in 2014. For Kherson and Zaporozhye, the geographic limits of the referenda are unclear. This lack of clarity should be resolved when the Russian parliament, Duma, considers their applications for membership. 
Law is law, and the geographic scope of it should be made clear. What is clear is that Luhansk, under full control of its separatist government, will become part of the Russian Federation, and attacks against the territory will become attacks on the Russian Federation. In Donetsk, the Ukrainian forces in its western area will become occupying forces. This has no immediate effect on the battlefield, but has very significant effects legally. It enables the Russian Federation to declare war on Ukraine and thus unleash whatever armed forces and responses which were previously limited under the special military operation. Geopolitics The developments resulting from the referenda and the Russian partial mobilisation of 300,000 reservists are both a checkmate and an escalation. The recent prisoner exchange, shepherded by Saudi Arabia, clears the boards for personnel, but also highlights a shift in geopolitical alliances. The April negotiations for peace between Russia and Ukraine came close to an agreement. It should not be forgotten that the current Ukrainian president was elected on a platform of seeking peace. The tentative ceasefire agreements in April are now acknowledged to have been undermined by UK ex-Prime Minister Boris Johnson. Turkey, a NATO member, held those negotiations. 66 nations have expressed their desire to see an end to this conflict in Ukraine. The periphery of USA influence are actually facilitating it. Meanwhile, trade deals in local currency abound. The USA dollar is being undermined as the global currency of trade. Not because it is a bad currency, but because those who wield its influence are mercurial and feckless. When one starts stealing the sovereign funds of nations, exemplified by the targets Afghanistan and Russia, other nations become aware of the threat. The war in Ukraine is not just an attack on people expressing their wishes via the ballot box, but also a threat on nations and their ability to manage an economy. Thanks for listening. Until next time.